Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Malouf and Barbara Turley. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Virtual Success Show podcast, where I'm your host, as always, Barbara Turley. I do co-host this show with my co-host, Matt Malouf, who's not with us today. But my guest today, I'm joined by Nigel Bennett, who is the co-founder and owner of AquaGuard Spill Response. And also, because I want to mention your book, also author of the book, Take That Leap, Risking It All for What Really Matters. And he's also the founder of True Beach. He's been a member of the Entrepreneurs' Organization for 15 years, has won a whole pile of awards. I'm not even going to go into how many they are, but uh, I met Nigel on a mastermind call that I, I had the pleasure to be on a few weeks ago. And when I heard his story about you know, how he has managed to not just delegate effectively, but has actually managed to remove himself pretty much completely from the day-to-day operations of his business. So Nigel, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Barbara. Thank you so much. It's just a pleasure pleasure to be on your show. I'm in, I'm in Whistler here in uh, British Columbia and you're in Chamonix, I guess, eh? Yeah, we're we're both in the ski slopes, but we're, not, we're no snow and we're not allowed to ski. <laughs> no snow and we can't go out. Yeah, I know. During this crisis time, and you know, like it's been really great uh, connecting with so many entrepreneurs at the moment during this crisis time that we're currently in. But so, Nigel, to kick off, just give us the quick, you know, AquaGuard spill, spill response. And what I love about this company and about me finally interviewing you is that it's different from most of the types of businesses that I've, we've had on the podcast or that I've been talking to. In that, it's kind of it's it's way off the charts from what I would normally be doing digital world or whatever so give us the quick synopsis of what it is yeah it um we're a uh, emergency response uh, company um if you go way back um right out of high school i was working for my father's uh, environmental mapping company and next day after high school i was uh i was on a plane down to venezuela and i live in vancouver and i'd never really been out of the country very much so i was uh I was doing overflights over Lake Maracaibo, taking photographs of the coastline for for environmental mapping. And uh, within the first couple of days of my arrival there, I was being shot at by the FARC guerrillas that are on the Colombian uh, Venezuelan border. So that was a real wake up call for an 18 year old kid. But I I spent uh, 10 years doing that type of work around the globe. I was in 10 different countries and I had a long, a long stint in Egypt. And uh, there was a helicopter flight that I had over the Sinai Peninsula with an American ex-Vietnam pilot. And um, I flew over and I was, uh, there was people in the back and he told me, you know, not to show them my camera because if, if they saw my camera, uh, we could be uh, thrown in jail as spies. So I was terrified. I was probably 22 by now. And um, so we were flying over this area and all I saw was pipeline after pipeline after pipeline that had been ruptured and it was flowing into the Red Sea. So I was taking photographs of this stuff and I, and I landed back um, at the helicopter base and he, and he said to me, he said, I know why I took you up here and I, I took you into some areas I'm not supposed to take you. Make sure that these photographs get back to the right people and that, and that they see them. And he said, I know what you're doing, but he looked at me and he said, do you really think you can make a difference? And I was like, I was a young kid. I'm like, of course I'm going to make a difference. So that really, really resonated me for the rest of my life. 
it's it's a long story. I you know I I wrote uh, I wrote this um, my experiences in in my book, um, but I was there f about five years on and off in Egypt, um, looking at these oil spills that were just horrific. And uh, unfortunately, my father was um, incarcerated because uh, I was working for my father's company. He came to he came to visit at the end of our project, and he was thrown in jail, and I had to escape escape out of the country. And it was a crazy story, but I ended up coming back to Vancouver and I broke off my father's company because I had so many clients around the world that I had met that needed help. And I was going to a technical college at the, at the time, British Columbia Institute of Technology, and I was in the mechanical engineering program. And I got another guy from, from that company and uh, he was working for my father as well. And we broke off and formed AquaGuard Spill Response. And what we do is we design and we manufacture spill response equipment to contain and to recover marine oil spills. So everything from like the Exxon Valdez in Alaska in 1989, all the way to the BP horizon uh, down in the Gulf of Mexico. So yeah, and, and we've been involved, um, done business in about 104 countries around the world. We have about 3000 clients. Yeah. So that's a bit of a, I don't know if I went on a bit too long there, but that's a bit of a long and short of it. Well, the, the thing from that is, you know, that is a huge operation to run. And that sort of brings us brings us into kind of what we're going to talk about today. So when you were saying that, I, I think I remember you saying when we were chatting that, and I've re read some of your articles about this, that you, you literally wanted to give up. Like you got to the point where you were just so burnt out from doing everything and the ops and, and the whole thing that you just wanted to get out. So let's start there, but talk, because a lot of people are feeling burnt out now, you know, right now. I want to get out, right? I know, I know, absolutely, and I, I, I totally feel for them. I and mean, we've gone through this—I don't know—four or five, you know, major times in my career life. Um, there's that whole, there's the whole period, you know, when you're a startup. You know, you get out and you start your own thing. Like when I did with my father, I broke off. I had no money, uh, complete debt. Uh, my wife had more money than I had, and we bought a little house and we basically rented everything out. And um, so, and I was building up this this company called Aquaguard, and you know, we had a little bit of business, we had everything leveraged. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we hit a couple of home runs because after the Exxon Valdez oil spill in Alaska, they had to redo all of the equipment in Alaska. And we just happened to nail a really nice contract at that time. And it went from being a startup to the phase of absolute chaos. And I call it, I call it the doorknob effect. So I would get to the office every morning and I'd put my hand out and I would touch the doorknob. And it would almost vibrate because I knew what was going on inside the office. I knew there was absolute chaos. So I would take a deep breath, you know, I'd, and I would open the door and I'd step into an absolute business. And it went on for 20 years like that, you know, in the shower every morning, not knowing if I could make payroll or if I, you know, had to lay people off or if I could hire people. You know, it was just this up and down roller coaster. And a friend of mine, um, he was a, a football player in the Canadian Football League. He was a 320-pound lineman, a big, big boy. He had just retired out of professional football, and he saw what I was going through. And he literally grabbed me by the scruff of the neck, and he said, Nigel, I've joined this organization. It's called the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. It was called the Young Entrepreneurs Organization at the time. It's now called EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization. And he says, you have to come to a meeting with me. And I just thought, there's no way. I don't have time. I've got three little kids. I, my business is out of control. I have not got time to, to go and even step, put my big toe into anything like that. And he literally grabbed me and he took me there. So I went 
And I went to my first meeting and I actually got uh, um, recruited into a, what they call a forum group, a focus group of nine people. And I, my wife and I talk about this to this day. I mean, this was 20 years ago that I, that I joined. And I, I, we talk about it. I said, if we had not joined or been dragged into the entrepreneurs organization at that time, I don't know where we would be. We'd probably be divorced. We'd probably lost everything. And um, so I really, I really hold a lot um, of respect for that and for Trevor for dragging me in. And um, as, as the years kind of went by, I, I was still having a, a tough time and um, I hired a coach. Uh, and his coach is Kevin Lawrence and he's a, um, he's a Gazelle's um, scaling up coach. I've been working with Kevin for 15 years and Kevin really helped me look at, you know, the perspective of everything because we sat down, we had a one page page plan and the only things that went on this plan were things that Nigel wanted. What does Nigel want with the business? What does Nigel want with his life? And these were my goals. These weren't anybody else's goals. These were my goals. And every time I would veer because we veer entrepreneurs veer all over the place, he would come back to me and slap me back on track. He goes, this isn't on your list. This isn't what you wanted. And what I found is after, after being smacked so many times out and then back, I kind of got it. I got into this rhythm and I, and I call it a life rhythm. I don't call it a life balance because I think with a life balance, you have to give up one to get the other. It's a life rhythm. It's, it's like you, you live your live rhythm like a dance and a life. And I and once I got into this rhythm, re things really, really started to happen quickly for me. And, um, and I can talk about how I, I mean, I eventually set up my business. But what, I, what I'd love to just sort of pause there for a second, because I think what you just said, you know, a lot of people are going through that anyway. And I think right now, you know, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of this COVID-19 situation globally where people are feeling like like even worse than that, that doorknob thing that you talked about people people are afraid to get up in the morning not everyone i mean some businesses are flying and some businesses are doing quite well but they're definitely um you know I, i'm lucky in the camp right now that the business is going the virtual hub that, that i run is going okay but it definitely there was a month of just absolute chaos there so and i have had moments a lot of moments like what you've spoken about and you know i i got lucky in that i stumbled upon this the scaling up book by Vern Harnish a few years ago, read it and was like, that's it, I'm building this company this way. Um, but what I want to know now, what I want to deal with now, and also a few people who've listened to me on this podcast before also know that I seem to have a, I've always had a bit of a bent towards systems, processes, teams, delegation. I'm actually quite good at it. Um, and otherwise I wouldn't be able to have two children while growing a company, which I've kind of done reasonably successfully. Um, but so talk to me about those early days of what, like maybe, I mean, you know, it was years, obviously, but if we could distill it down into kind of what do you think are the top two, three, four things that a business owner needs to do and get a handle on in order to start to free themselves up from the, from the day to day or from the ops or delegate more effectively? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, you know, we, we just talked about, um, Peer groups for me, peer group was huge, which was the entrepreneur happens to be the entrepreneurs organization for me. Um, and then there was an offshoot of the entrepreneurs organization, which was at MIT in Boston, um, which I went to and I and I went to my very first uh, meeting and I was terrified. I, I did. I have this um, 
like it's almost an imposter syndrome. I, I felt I didn't belong there. Everybody was smarter than me. I'm dyslexic. I go at ADD and I, yeah, I have a business, but these guys are geniuses. I was almost throwing up as I drove up the driveway to this, this place at MIT. And I go in and the first speaker, as you just, you just mentioned him, the very first speaker was Vern Harnish. And Vern stood in front of the whole of 75 entrepreneurs. And I had hired a coach because I had hired a coach just before this. And he looked out at everybody and he said, I've got a question for you. How many of you have coaches? How many of you in this class currently have coaches? And I, and I thought, oh, you know, everybody, they're all geniuses in this room. You know, I mean, they're all smart business guys. So I have my head down on my desk and I put my hand up and I put my hand up like this, you know, like, mm, no. And he, all I heard him say was only three of you of 75, three of you. And, I'm, and I looked around at it. This is unbelievable. These geniuses, these business people, they don't have coaches. And, and Vern said, Ver, Ver, well, Vern said, let me tell you guys. He said that you can't do life alone. He said the top business people on the planet. And at that time he was talking about uh, Bill Gates, uh, Steve Jobs and Michael Dell. He said, those three guys have multiple coaches. They can't do what they do alone. He says, you need a coach. And I sat back and I was like, wow, that's really powerful stuff. And I've, I've really lived through that for, for so many years. And the, the one thing that my, my coach um, helped me to do, I was, I was also at the point where I was, I was hiking one day. Uh, Kevin and I do a lot of hiking together, hike, walk and talk stuff. And um, I was having a really hard time with the business. And Kevin said to me, he said, Nigel, if somebody offered you something for your business right now, what would you sell it for? Like, what would you sell your business for today? And I said, a dollar. I said, I want my freedom back. I just want to get out. And he said, that's, that's not good. He said, that's not good. Let's, let's work with this and see what we can do. Because at that time, what I was doing is I was parachuting in C-suite um, CEOs and leaders. I would go out and I would poach them from competitors. And I would change the name every time. I'd be a CEO one time and a general manager the next time or managing director the next. And I did that over 10 years. And it, all that did was totally disrupt the culture of my business. And the one thing that I didn't realize that I had been growing organically from inside my business, people that knew everything about the business. People, uh, this one young guy, he was with us since he was 18. He started sweeping the floor when he was young. And he worked his way up into estimating and sales and then design. And he was going to night school while he was working, working uh, for us. And um, little did I know that he was doing most of the behind the scenes of running the business, not these other guys. And now he's my, he's my, um, he's now my partner. I bought my, uh, bought my partner out of 30 years. I had another gentleman that I mentioned earlier, um, bought him out uh, in 2012. And what I did is I said, you know, this, this is, I really want you to, you know, to be my partner, but here's a one page deal. It's just one page. These are the things that Nigel will do. And these are the things Nigel will not do from now on. Nigel is not going to fly down to Mexico and be a collection agency for overpaid bills. Nigel's not going to do this anymore because that's what I was doing. And, but Nigel's going to do this, this Nigel's going to be involved. For me, it was um, meeting with high, high level clients, trade shows, you know, things like that. Um, things that I really, really enjoyed. 
And um, we signed it and uh, we set up, uh, set the deal up. So he did a um, uh, earn out, like he bought my other partner out actually over uh, through dividends. We were luckily we were profitable. So it was a dividend, a dividend deal over seven years. And um, so he's been running the company ever since. I've been able to step back. And I was there for about a year after we signed this deal. And then I was actually able to leave with my family and I traveled the world for a year. And I, <laughs> I traveled, we went to 17 different countries off the grid, one small bag each, three t-shirts, one pair of shorts, pair of flip-flops um, for a year with my kids. And they were a little bit older. They were one, we homeschooled my daughter in grade nine. Uh, my son had just graduated from high school and my other son was in university. So he would come in and out. <clears throat> it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. And I thought so with my ego, my ego was, I can't leave the business. And Kevin Lawrence said to me, I never forget this. We'd set everything up in the business. Everything was running great. We had Cameron Jans, this amazing, amazing guy running the business. And, Ke and Kevin said to me, said, Nigel, you have this list of all these things you wanted to do in your life. This is your list. This is your life. This is your life dream. There's one thing left on this list that you haven't uh, accomplished. And I said, okay, what is it? He goes, just take off with your family for a year. And I, I said, oh, come on, Kev, there's no way. I can't do this because of this. I can't, but all the can't, 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 can't. And he said, stop. Is your wife, my wife's name is Reiko. She's Japanese. And, and she was in the kitchen of the house. And he says, is she, she's there. And I said, yeah, she's here. He said, ask her. I said, okay. So I yelled, hey, Reiko, you know the thing on the list? Do you want to, can you go? Uh, thinking she was going to say absolutely no way. And she said, let's go. And we set it up in about three months. We made no plans. We did not plan this trip. We left. We ended up going to London first. And then we just let it evolve from there, wherever our kids wanted to go. And um, it was the most incredible thing. And I would not have been able to do that without my coach. I would not have been able to do that with um, having this organically grown, great person inside my business, our one-page plan that we set up to make the business run. It's been, that was in 20, um, 2012, I set it up. 20, you know, we took off for a year. And now it's, um, there were so many years later, 2020. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I, and I spend, you know, maybe half a day a week uh, with my business because I'm financially connected. I'm 60% owner and, and Cameron is 40% owner. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to like rewind completely and dig right into that because it's like, so you got the coach, and, uh, and I'll dig for you because I know what our what our listeners do. So, so because lots of people have coaches, right? So you've got a coach, and like big shout out to Matt Maloof who co-hosts this show with me normally. He's in Australia right now. He's up to he's up to his eyes with his own clients. He's a fantastic coach that I started out with, and he was there when I started the virtual hub and came up with this idea. So big high five out to Matt. Um, but so so you got the coach, but. And then the organic, I 100% agree with you, the organic growth, people inside your business don't ignore it because I've done that really successfully in the Philippines. Now, I have brought in a couple of people that needed more experience, you know, in certain functions like HR and head of that sort of thing. But I have grown, my master trainers were original VAs with me that had no experience uh, being VAs and I grew them up and they're with me years. So I'm a big fan of that strategy and I think a lot of people don't invest the time, energy and training in doing that or the, the interest. But I want to dig in deeper into what the coach worked with you on. So let's talk about operational 
like the boring stuff, the processes, the systems, the meeting rhythms? How did you bring it all in? And, and did you have any of that before? Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, I'm from the Entrepreneurs Organization, too, when I joined. Our Bible at the time was a book called The E-Myth, which is Michael Gerber's E-Myth. And now it's The E-Myth Revisited. And that, all that talks about is, you know, the reason you start a business is you, you set it up and then you set up the systems in order, the system, so then you can actually step out one day or package it up and sell it or whatever. And so that was really kind of the Bible of, you know, wow, we need to. So yeah, it, you know, in in our our business, um, just having the the people and the departments and the and the systems, and it's just. Um, I'm not saying it happened organically, but it, it you know, um, absolute key, absolute key. Was it painful though? Was it when you realized it? Like sometimes when you read Michael Gerber's book, you go, "I totally get it." Oh, but oh my God, that's such an uphill battle. Like to, I just like I'm staring at Mount Everest to try. And we see clients coming to us at the virtual hub like this, where they feel they know why they need to do it, they know what they need to do, but you're staring at Mount Everest when you're when you've got no nothing really built and everything's kind of in your own head or in the heads of the people who work. And can you give any advice? Well, again, like like I mentioned earlier, um, life life rhythm, like it's a life rhythm in your business as well. You create this rhythm, and at the beginning, it's really painful. Like I mentioned, I kept getting smacked out to the side. You have to get smacked so many times to get to get onto a flow. And your your brain your brain and your organization actually does get rewired to get into this rhythm. And once you start doing it, it actually it actually does. And it's a commitment. So I mean, our commitments. You know, we were. Um, there's a friend of mine, Brian Scudamore, that has a company called One Eight Hundred Got Junk, and 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 he um, he was in my class at MIT as well. But he would uh, he 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 um, his morning huddles. You know, his morning huddles are just the are just key. And that's you know we do we do you know when all our when all our guys or, or people were together we could do but now they're all over the place so now we do them virtually we do the virtual huddles and you know you're you're gone and you're you're just checking in and checking the pulse of what's going on they're not meetings they're huddles they're quick they're like 7 minutes um at the most and 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 you're off you know and then um, yeah we do them as well it was game changer for for us at the virtual hub yeah yeah and then you're searching and then we have a one so you have a one page plan with my business uh, partner we have a one page plan with the company which actually came out of the rockefeller habits book which is a Vern harnish book as well yeah and, and you know our quarterly meetings and our quarterly updates and yeah so it's getting into the flow so one of the things that i one of the things that i hear not a lot these days but i used to hear a lot in the beginning when i started the virtual hub from clients that would come in the number one thing and normally it was smaller businesses, solopreneurs, this kind of thing. And they would say to me on these, these sales calls that I used to do, I would invariably hear the, well, I just don't want to micromanage someone. And if it takes too long, I may as well do it myself. And I used to say, well, that's all fine, right? But you're getting a virtual assistant. That's what we do there in a right? So if you have that mindset in a year's time, I can guarantee you one thing, you'll still be doing it yourself. <laughs> if you're not willing to invest the time and the pain, Absolutely. I, I, you know, what I found is when I, um, so when I, when I originally broke off of my father's company, I took my sister with me and, uh, there was this other guy, uh, Lawrence, uh, he was our, I call him the mad scientist. He was the guy, um, incredible brain, uh, engineering brain. Um, but, but my sister and I would always, we were big into adventure. We we're into backcountry skiing, mountain climbing and mountaineering. And, um, what we would do in those times is we would toggle off the company. 
because I knew she was off to climb Mount Logan and I was off to go to Nepal or whatever we were doing. And um, so I would, I would leave. I would leave and she would run, you know, look after the business and we would kind of trade off like that for many years. We did that and I would come back just totally, you know, rejuvenated. But my sister only stayed with me for four years. Um, and then she left. We, we ended up buying her out, but I kept that rhythm going. I kept that rhythm going. And I know again at my class in Boston, another thing that Vern said, it's all, all this Vern stuff. Vern said was, you know, if you've been an owner of a business or a startup or whatnot for, I can't remember, four or five years, you need to take like one, two or three months away. And I thought that's not possible. Like I, I do my little jaunts. And he said, because you just need to get away. You need to get clear. Um, all your best thinking happens in that space. And I really find that now with all of us in this lockdown, the quiet, the quiet is where really cool stuff happens. And it's been happening for me. It's been happening for our people. All these great new ideas are coming out. And so I, I would, I would keep doing that. I would, I got into this life rhythm of I would, I had a hard, I had a hard time, the first with my ego because I, if I go away, oh, I don't know, nobody can do my business as well as I can. You know, I need to be involved. But then I would leave for a week, and then I go for two weeks, then I go for a month, and I'd come back and everything's fine. Well, I went for a year. I went for a year, and I would check in. So at the beginning, the, the, the difficult part is the first part because your ego is still connected to you. I can't go for a year. This is ridiculous. But I would check in. I would um, Skype, I'd Skype in at that time. And everything was fine. <laughs> and then the longer I was away, the, the less I checked in. So at first it would be I check in every two weeks and it was every month and it was like every six weeks. And then by the time I came back, you know, I thought, oh, you know, has our company burned down? You know, what's happened? I walk in and the most, the weirdest thing for me was I'd been away for a year. I've had, I had so many life experiences with myself and my family, just mind boggling. You know, we're high in the Himalayas to offshore Brazil to surfing on every coastline that you can imagine. It was absolutely amazing. I walk into my office and we did a huddle. Everybody huddles around and like, hey, Nigel, how is it? How was, what was your favorite place? You know, blah, five minutes. And then everybody scampered off and everybody was doing their thing. They hadn't missed me at all. <laughs> it was unbelievable. For me, I was sad because they hadn't missed me. But I'm like, this is actually not what you wanted to set up. This is, was your dream and it actually worked. Can I ask you, Nigel, then for, for the team then? So, so obviously, you know, I love the, the e-myth, Michael Gerber. I mean, you know, if I could, if anyone's listening to this, the only two books I think you need to read personally are the e-myth. Emeth Revisited with Michael Gerber and Scaling Up by Hearn Varnish. <laughs> you can read both those books. Good to great. Good to great is good too, but Jim Collins. Good to great is good too, yeah. But um, so the roles then, so obviously you you grew organically your person that is became the partner in the business and took over the running. So they were the ones that the CEO, they be, became kind of acting. Yeah, CEO. Yeah, he's he's the CEO. I'm not CEO anymore. No. So you're not the CEO anymore. No, I'm, I'm, co I'm called co-founder. Yeah. yeah. What are the other roles that, you know, when, we, when we're thinking about getting to this level, I mean, growing a CEO from, from inside, I think, is a great idea, although potentially like, takes a long time. Yeah, it, it took a long time. It took a long time. What about like, the COO role, the ops, like somebody running the implementation? Because the CEO is a great role, but then there's the implementation and who's going to run the people and the teams and the integrator. Yeah, all the, all the people, the people that we have that are doing that, we're all brought in by um, Cam, which is the C the CEO. 
they were all brought in over time. I mean, it's been, a, you know, quite a long time now, um, brought in and they just work like a well-oiled machine. I only go in and I, I screw things up if I stick my nose in there. Um, and they're younger. I mean, I'm 58 now and he's 40. And so we have this, you know, he's full of vim and vigor. He's got a young family and he's extremely driven. Um, and I was just very fortunate to have him with us for, for since he was a young, a young man. Um, uh, and, and the rest of our team too, they've been with us. I mean, we have very little turnover. We just have just a great team and the, he is a, just a fantastic leader. And I, you know, I don't know if I lucked out or, um, I, I just failed so many times trying to parachute in people. Um, and you know, organically we were growing these people. It just, you know, and it just kind of happened. It was just. And then it becomes a family. That's actually like a family. Yeah, it's like it's like a family. It is like a family. Yeah, and we have regional managers that are uh, uh, operate remotely. We have a gentleman, Francisco Jimenez. He's a Venezuelan um, that got out of Venezuela, you know, mid twenty years ago, and was in Miami. And I hired him out of Miami, and he was managing Latin America for me. And um, he he was in Miami. Then he moved to Vancouver. But it was tough for him to manage Latin America, Vancouver. So we have a place in Panama now, which he manages all of Latin America. But he lives in Vancouver. But he spends three months in Panama remotely. And we, you know, we Zoom in and Zoom out uh, through our Zoom calls. And um, we keep in touch. And he reports. It just it works great. I mean, it's been working really, really well. So there's been no break. So because, you know, you, well, you kind of ran, I mean, you're running it virtually at the moment because you're in Whistler you're sort of doing it remotely but has there been any break or any issues with moving because what i was thinking here is i'm always talking about virtual teams remote and how you do stuff with virtual assistants or offshore teams or or anything like that but what i'm sort of hearing is that if your company is actually set up in the right way it doesn't really matter if you're if you if you got the right setup you can go virtual or go remote or come back to the office and the same thing happens is that what you're finding yeah and my and my my contribution to my company is more on the, not not the kind of the higher level sales, keeping connected with our higher level customers. Um, it was trade shows, which have all been canceled now. So now I'm keeping in touch with everybody virtually. So that's kind of, I mean, um, it's not that difficult to do virtually at all, you know, if, uh, to keep in, in contact. But I, I'm in contact more now virtually than I was before um, because it's become the new norm. This is the new norm just to, to zoom somebody you know pick up the or pick up the phone or zoom it yeah i mean i have a situation i was just thinking about it today where you know i mean i've always run my company remotely because it's it's in the philippines and i don't live in the philippines so it's always been that way um now they are all in an office but at the moment they're all remote but we've always had a facebook group for our employees right so we're all in facebook group and with facebook lives these days it's like i can just pop in at any time Oh, I know. Yeah, we use WhatsApp. Yeah, we use WhatsApp with our. We have different groups in our. We have different WhatsApp groups in our company, and then my C and I have our own little WhatsApp, just back and forth. And there's we have different groups with with our WhatsApp, which works. Um, which works really. And I'm also involved in um, a group called the Three CEOs And what we're doing is we're doing um, speaking. We're helping uh, entrepreneurs around the globe with issues during the COVID-19 um, outbreak here. But there, so I've got, uh, one of them is uh, Todd Palmer. He's in Detroit. Andy Biting is in, uh, is in New Brunswick. And we run that out of New Brunswick virtually. Everything's virtually. His, his assistant, they're all there. And everything that we do, I'm on a, I'm on a Zoom call with them every day. And, um, you know, we never meet in person. And we're, and we're doing, 
we're doing talks for all the entrepreneurs. So we did uh, Winnipeg last week. We're doing Toronto on Friday. We're doing Malaysia next week. Uh, it's just, and we're doing these webinars for, and it's all, everything is virtual. So I'm keen to know then, in this COVID situation, and this is kind of circling back to where we started this conversation around when you were in that moment of total burnout and you just, you were almost willing to pay someone to take the company off you or just sell it for a dollar. And, you know, you're obviously coming across people who might be feeling that way now. And what, what, is you, what are you hearing from those webinars you're doing from the people in those uh, chapters of the EO? Yeah, I'm hearing all different, different types of things. I had a really um, nice comment from somebody in Winnipeg, and she was having a really hard time. And when I mentioned the point about selling my business for a dollar, she said she broke down in tears because she was in that same place. And, I, and I've been in that, that place so many times. And what I've really noticed for me anyway is, is the optics. So back in 2008 was, was tough. It was a tough time for a lot of people. And I, I had a fraud case inside my business at the same time. Our, our, our CFO, we had a big fraud. He's actually ended up doing a few years in prison <clears throat> because of it. Um, so our, our company was going bankrupt, but at that time, um, the stock market crashed. Um, I'm in a, I'm an environmental company, but really everything's dictated by the oil industry because we clean up the mess that the oil industry makes. So the oil prices were really low and we were going bankrupt and, but we were doing everything for everybody. And I sat back and I thought, okay, this is, you got to look at this in a different way. We got to turn this on its head. What? You know, what can we do? What can we do different? And I thought, okay, oil, uh, the sweet oil on the surface of Texas is gone. Uh, Nearshore stuff is tough to get. This is before fracking. Where's the big market? Where's the big market coming from? And I thought, it's offshore. It's offshore. So we focused. We actually basically took all our eggs from one basket, put them into another, and focused on uh, niche, high margin, and it was off offshore for us. And so we were going bankrupt and Cameron Jans at the time, this is the, the, um, the guy that was coming up through our company. Um, I was, I was pretty much out in my head. I, I was so messed up and my business partner was too. He said, let's make a deal with the bank. See if we can keep our business alive till Christmas. This was in July. And we said, do whatever we can. So we focused on the offshore we were able to pick up some uh, incredible contracts on some equipment we had never built before. We'd never built it before. And uh, it kept us alive. And then our whole business shifted. So we just couldn't see. We just couldn't see, I guess, the, the forest through the trees type thing. We were so focused on the business, the way our business had always run. Our business had always run like this. We did everything for everybody, um, which uh, higher volume, lower margins. We flipped everything. We turned everything on its head and we went, you know, we need to get high margins. You know, it's, it's a lower volume, but much higher volumes, but much higher numbers. And we went into a completely different spot. And the only reason, the only reason that that happened to us is because of the, of the crisis, because of 2008, because of the fraud case. If those two things didn't happen, there were blessings in this guide. If they didn't happen, we would have been on the same path as we were and probably just died a slow death. So this, and this has happened so many times to me. So the only thing I can say to people out there that are having a really hard time is what aren't we seeing? Are we, what are the optics? What are we looking at? Are we, are we just trying to do something 
the way we've always done it, the world's changed. The world has completely changed. And maybe what we were doing before isn't going to be something for the new world. But there's a lot of opportunity out there. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, you look at, you know, these businesses that are thriving, home delivery, home delivery, organic food, home delivery, um, all these things that you would never have thought of before. You know, Zoom is a, a, you know, all these technologies that are being born out of this. And the only way that these things come up is a, the only way that we, I have evolved personally, if, if I've been, if the only time that I've evolved is if I've been pushed so far to the edge almost falling off, but then had a big aha moment when you're almost about to fall. It's a terrible thing to say, but that's where I operate the best. And that's when my best ideas come is when I'm, you know. I'm like that. I, I'm in a perpetual state of like, I like to be, I almost, I said to my husband one day, I was like, why is it that I need to be on the edge of the precipice before I like burst open a great idea or I, I come out strong? It's like, I need to have a deadline. I know. It's like, it's like a climbing, like, uh, I, you know, I do a lot of climbing. I, I did a lot of climbing and it would always be on those crazy adventures where it would be, you know, life, it's life and death. You know, you got a rope clipped in, you got a carabine or you got some ice coming down on you. I, I was doing some ice climbing on a mountain once and the whole glacier moved. Everything shook. The ice was falling down and we thought we were all dead. And you come out of those moments, you know, you have these you have epiphanies, you know, it's, um, you know, and, and they're great stories afterwards too, but you know, if you live. I think you're right, though. I think I think one of the challenges, people, and anyone listening to this, I think what happens to people if you're either fight, flight, or freeze. You know, and I'm a I'm a fight. Like if someone, like I'm sort of quite even keel until someone goes and attacks me, and then I'll like I'll fight to the death to win. I have ADD, and actually, my coach and I, Kevin Lawrence, have formed a group called Gift GiftADD.com to prove that people with ADD aren't freaks. We're actually gifted, and the incredible thing, if you look at the statistics over time, so many entrepreneurs have ADD or, or dyslexic. But I find with me being ADD, when I get that push, the adrenaline push, in my day-to-day -day life, I'm all over the place. But when I get that push, I can focus. And I focus like an arrow. And, it, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a very common trait with people with ADD. And maybe that's why people with ADD, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs have ADD. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny because I like I don't because I'm quite I don't know I'm quite systems minded and all that sort of thing. But you know that uh, yeah, but the people who go into freeze though, I mean, there's the ones who go into flight completely, but the ones that go into freeze, if you're sort of listening to this and you're thinking, oh, that's me, I just go rabbit in the headlights. I think you know what what I've been saying to to our clients and to people is you know never waste a good crisis. I mean, it's a terrible thing to say, but there are you know it's terrible, but it's true. All the best things that have ever happened inside my company, it's crazy, have been formed during a crisis. Yes, and I think, you know, when we were talking on this mastermind, I don't know whether you were on the first one that I was on with the group of people that we do that with, and I was saying that I could feel the adrenaline in my fingertips of this coming, you know, and I thought it's a terrible crisis, but I remember the last one was horrific for me, the 08 thing, but I actually came out of it and ended up, I did long story but i did sweat equity in a company that ended up going to you know it's worth 60 70 million dollars now not my share but the company you know and it was born out of that that time and me taking risk on and getting that adrenaline in my fingertips feeling and and you know, this is the time to not uh now now having said that i also think it, it's a time to maybe sit back and listen to your intuition a bit too and you don't have to rush into anything but it is the time to 
rise when you're tired. Like you might be tired, but you have to rise into it. Exactly. And I, it, um, I have a, a good friend of mine that's a shaman. He's a Peruvian shaman. I've done a lot of stuff down in Peru. And uh, I was having a hard time, uh, I don't know, several years ago with, with, my, with my father. And um, he said to me, he said, Nigel, you have to realize that all the difficult things that you have experienced in your life through, through your father, um, he, he's actually been a coach to you. And I said, how is this possible? How could this be a coach? Because, because you would not be the person that you are now unless those things happen. Some of them may be terrible. And, and, he, and he, had, he nailed it. He nailed it. And it's so true. I wouldn't be the person. I would not be sitting here in front of you now unless all this happened to me during my life, all these really difficult times and all the good stuff. So, Well, listen, I thank you so much for joining us on the show because when I heard the story, I really said to myself, you know, it's that you've been on both, you're now on the other side and you've been on the first side. And I know most entrepreneurs have, but you, you were there for 20 years. I mean, you know, in that kind of horrible uphill battle feeling. And I know there's lots of business owners that are like that. And and it's just those those key things. I think just to read the things you said. There's just one thing. One thing that I want to say that I really learned over the whole period is that as an entrepreneur, we're always in crisis. But I would say never sacrifice your family for business crisis, because our family are the most important thing, and that's what I've found. Yes, and it's yeah. That's why I always say to people, it's so worth like spending the time to you know getting delegation right, getting the right you know getting a team place actually even just delegating to a simple virtual assistant like what we do at the virtual hub there's so many smaller businesses that come to us and they start that's where they start their journey and the ones that spend the time the energy and they they put the time into actually getting it right it pays the largest dividends in the end and that that's the best work you can do is is to learn how to delegate effectively and then you start your journey towards building your systems, your teams, and, and eventually getting to the stage where, where you've gone to, which. And it started, it started with me again with, you know, joining the peer group, which was amazing. And a focus group inside a peer group, which was the entrepreneurs organization. And then also the coach, but a good coach, you need a good coach. that someone is going to hold you accountable to your life goals. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's what started it off. Well, listen, thank you again for joining us. And anyone who is listening to this show, please, you know, share it with your friends and colleagues. It will be up on iTunes soon. We're on Facebook Live at the moment. Uh, Nigel, thank you so much for for joining us today. Uh, Everyone, until next time, I will see you next time. Thanks, Barbara. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Success Show. If you found this show helpful, take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together.